What is going on, everyone? And thank you for tuning in to Season 2, Episode 6 of The Ronan Bell Show. With me today is a man by the name of Mr. Joe Batista, who has done pretty much everything under the sun. He's worked in some NHL organizations. He has been a coach for several years. He has his own LLC now called Pragmatic Passion. He's a motivational speaker. Overall, he's just a great guy. I hope that you guys can learn uh, at least one thing from the wisdom that he distributes in this podcast. And all you have to do to pick up on it is open your ears and listen. I hope you guys like the episode. Make sure you hit that follow button. Leave that five-star rating if you're on Apple Podcasts. And let's cut to it. Let's cue that intro. Mr. Batista, what is going on tonight, sir? Ronan, good to see you. I hope you had a great holiday and are looking forward to a great new year. Yeah, I mean, 2021 might be the year that, you know, everyone starts doing that thing that they always say that they're going to do. And that would be awesome. New year. You got a whole fresh start. I saw I saw a great meme that said, you know what? We really do have 2020 hindsight. <laughs> now, right? We can all look back and think about what lessons did we learn during what I have always caused the great pause, right? The, 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 it's, it's the lost year, the great pause, whatever you want to call it. I hope people have learned some things about what really matters in life during this time. And, uh, you know, I, I also, I, I love the Mark Cuban talked about you young folks, you know, what people are going to ask you is, well, what did you do during the pandemic? Did you just sit on the sidelines or did you use that time where you couldn't go out and do the things we normally would do? And, and did you read books? Did you watch videos? Did you do things that were going to make you a better person, you know, help you to be prepared for the opportunities they're going to come out of the post-pandemic world, and there will be opportunities. So right now, I know it's tough for a lot of people, but we're we're going to have opportunities. We got to help each other. Got to keep helping those people that that got hit the hardest uh, during the pandemic. But uh, you know, hey, it's you know, uh, it's in the rearview mirror. Uh, twenty twenty is the pandemic's not. We're we're but we're there's hope. We 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 do see light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah, you can't control the past anymore. So why not at least try and make our future better by working hard now in the present? Absolutely. It's crazy. So, Mr. Batista, before we get into anything else, could you just introduce yourself to the listeners out there? Sure. Uh, Joe Batista. Uh, I am uh, originally from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Uh, grew up uh, just outside the city limits in Penn Hills. Uh, it's an area mostly known for producing a lot of uh, great football players more than anything. Uh, and and uh, But it was a great place to grow up, great friendships. Everybody was into sports and, you know, good families, et cetera. We were very blessed uh, to live there. And, uh, you know, I, I was one of those people that believed I was going to be a professional athlete. Uh, when I was, you know, 15, 16, 17 year old, I thought I was going to be playing NHL. I thought I was going to get a Division One hockey scholarship. You know, I had my whole world set. I was, you know, ready to go. Didn't quite work out that way. But I got very fortunate that, um, uh, you know, some things, you know, just came out the way 
they did. And uh, I was prepared. I'd learned some things, but I also, you know, took advantage of being in the right place at the right time. Um, was able to become a coach, um, which, uh, you know, I, that's not why I went to Penn State as a freshman. I went, I went to Penn State to be a nuclear engineer. All right. Well, you see how close I came to that. Um, but that's all right. You know, uh, I was supposedly good at math and science. And, you know, my mother worked at Westinghouse's nuclear division in, in um, Monroeville, Pennsylvania. So that was what I was supposed to do. Right. Well, I also was very uh, passionate about sports, especially hockey, and was fortunate enough to get a job with the Pittsburgh Penguins, my hometown team, not as a coach, not as a player, but in the sales and marketing end of the business. So I got a business degree. I ended up switching into business at Penn State, got my marketing degree, went to work in sales and marketing, um, did that. And while I was doing that, I was also the director of amateur hockey development for the Penguins, a job that I actually wrote a proposal for and created my own position, uh, which was pretty unique. Uh, Paul Steigerwald, who was a longtime uh, voice of the Penguins, was my boss, my first boss right out of uh, college and uh, had a great, still good friends with him. And uh, I was there during uh, Mario Lemieux's rookie year. I uh, got to spend a lot of time with Mario and still friends with him. Uh, you know, so I got, like I said, uh, things kind of fell into place, but I got bit by the coaching bug. I started coaching the junior penguins and I said, you know what? I'm young. I was 25. I was single. I said, if I'm not, if I'm going to do this. I'm going to chase after this dream. I better do it now. I did. I went to Kent State on a graduate assistantship back when they were a Division I NCAA program. I coached at Culver Military Academy out near Notre Dame, which is a top uh, prep school program. Got to coach several former or, or future NHLers uh, at that time, including Kevin Dean, who's now an assistant coach with the Boston Bruins. Um, it was an amazing experience. And then I was really lucky that they created a position back here at Penn State for me uh, uh, that I ended up getting uh, to be the assistant director of the ice arena in charge of all the hockey programs, hockey club coach, and summer camp, hockey camp director in 1987, said I'll you know try it for five years. If I can get the program up to NCAA status, great. If not, I'll get on with my life. Well, you know, 27 years later, I was still at Penn State. <laughs> the dream finally came true. I wasn't the coach, but I became the associate athletic director uh, at Penn State after coaching for 19 years. And uh, our, our dream of having a Division I men's and women's hockey program, a brand new $90 million arena came true. Got to enjoy it for about two weeks <laughs> and then uh, ended up uh, going to work for uh, the Pagulas, uh, Terry and Kim Pagula up in Buffalo. They were the owners of the Buffalo Sabres and the Buffalo Bills. And, uh, and then uh, I ended up uh, coming back home because I was living in Buffalo um, and uh, decided to start my own company. I wrote my own book, uh, The Power of Pragmatic Passion. Uh, and uh, I do one-on-one uh, -on -one personal development coaching and, uh, uh, I also do what I call success coaching. I work with teams. I work with teachers and coaches and uh, I'm having a ball. I feel like I'm giving back. I'm back to coaching, which is really my first best destiny. I'm just not coaching hockey. So uh, that was probably a long winded answer to a very simple question. <laughs> <laughs> I should have asked what you what you haven't done 
It's <laughs> yeah, I'm done. But I mean, that's awesome. People dream of like pulling out all the different tools in their tool belt and finally like going after them. And it's just it. That's why I love all the things that you said. But it's it's more about how you got there than anything else, which is the real story about just you know what made you decide going from a Pittsburgh kid and now you're like, wow, I'm going to Penn State. That's a that's a bold move. Very bold move. Well, I'll tell you, I, if you would have been around me as a 17-year-old, up until two weeks before school started at Penn State, I was walking around in Notre Dame gear head to toe. I thought I was going to be there as a recruited walk-on for hockey and an engineering student at Notre Dame. It was my first choice. You know, sorry, Penn State people, I, you know, uh, but it really was my first choice. It was a dream of mine to go there. Uh, but I also I grew up like a lot of kids in Pittsburgh back in the 70s. Every Sunday morning, you watch three highlight shows for football. They showed Notre Dame highlights, Pitt highlights and Penn State highlights. So luckily for me, my mother made me applied all those schools because in the end I didn't end up getting into Notre Dame. I was put on a wait list. And so thankfully my mother being the very bright woman that she was, she sent in a housing deposit for me at Penn state. And I literally ended up there by accident. I, 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 you know, and I can style this picture of me when they drop me off and I have this kind of look at on my, I grew up in a city <laughs> and here I am out in the middle of nowhere. And let's face it, the Penn state of today is not what it was back then. It was still more of a cow town back in the late seventies than, than state college has, has developed into a great community. And I'm blessed to have raised my children here and, you know, met my wife here and, you know, uh, have lived a great life. Uh, but I, I honestly, um, uh, this was not in the plans uh, originally. And three days, Ronan, three days after I arrived on campus, they made an announcement that they were taking the existing ice pavilion that they had back in 1978 and changing it into an indoor AstroTurf practice facility for the football team. <laughs> so here I am. Okay, first of all, I'm at a school that I wasn't my first choice. And, oh, well, at least I'll get to play hockey. And there, poof, the rink is gone. <laughs> and, and you know, it's, it's really the beginning of a lot of lessons that were learned outside the classroom. And, and one of which was while the club hockey program at that time could have disappeared and probably should have, it was the efforts of a, a player, Jerry Fry, and a bunch of his uh, teammates uh, and Vance McCullough and some other people in the community that, that saved the hockey program. And we literally played all of our games on the road for two years. We practiced on an outdoor temporary rink uh, over by Lash Building, the current football facility. We drove down to Mechanicsburg, Pennsylvania, about two hours away and practiced in, the, in a rink, the, the Mechanicsburg Stadium that doesn't even exist anymore. And that's where we played our home games for, for two years while the Greenberg Ice Arena was being built. And then I was lucky enough that my last two years, I did get to play in what then was a new rank on campus. But that new rank didn't end up with the 5,000 seats it was supposed to in order for us to become a Division I 
varsity program because we ran into some budget issues. That was a very tough time economically in the world. And uh, they decided to just cut out a bunch of seats and amenities. We had a nice facility, but it wasn't the facility we needed in order to be division one. But that's okay. Uh, those guys that I played hockey with during that era are still to this day some of my very best friends. We just celebrated our 40th anniversary of our 1980 league championship team. Um, we, we got together and played golf down in New Jersey, a bunch of us, you know, about half the guys from that team. And uh, it just reminds you of that's, you know, the, the, the resilience, the perseverance, the courage to keep the program going during a time when it could have disappeared. Uh, it it, it, it yeah. was amazing. And because it was a club sport, we actually ran the program and I was able to be the president uh, my senior year. I was vice president my, my junior year. Um, and it was that hands-on experience, along with my marketing degree, that got me the job with the Penguins, um, you know, coming out of college. And, you know, so again, it, you know, Penn State has been very good to me. And I'm very fortunate that I ended up here. And there's a lesson in that, that, you know, things don't always go the way you think they're going to go, but you make the best of the circumstances and yeah. uh, good things can, can happen. So what I think is crazy is I actually, Notre Dame was my number one choice too. And I also didn't get in there. Sorry, Notre Dame. Uh, I don't like you guys anymore. Penn State all the way. But <laughs> I, I just think that's absolutely crazy. But what were you saying about like the, on, about your like hockey friends is that those are like the people that you still talk to this day. And I'm sure that you don't remember every goal score, but you remember the people that you meet because at the end of the day, that's way more important than any, any goal, any statistic, any – uh, it, it, it seriously it, it is you know we're there's several of my teammates I mean we're already talking about you know where are we all going to retire you know we we want to try to be together we're going to try to keep getting together for golf uh events and maybe playing some you know old timers hockey tournaments you know those sorts of things uh, it's a shame you know obviously this year we won't we won't have an opportunity to get back together um, you know, for as a as a team for alumni, so the alumni weekend. Uh, but that's all right. Well, you know, we've again we've stayed in touch. Uh, Glenda Stefano has been one of my best friends over the years. We were teammates. We met. He was from New Jersey. You know, lucky when we were both Lion Ambassadors. I was in the initial class of the Penn State Lion Ambassadors. Glenn, I helped Glenn, encouraged him to get into the organization, and he became the first elected president of the Lion Ambassadors. And then a number of our other hockey teammates ended up getting into Lion Ambassadors. So we had this kind of thing going where we had you know, the, the hockey thing, but also this, you know, group of us that were also Lion Ambassadors. So we've stayed very, very close to one another and our families get together and we vacation together and, you know, those sorts of things. And then there's the group of guys that I coached over the years. I spent my 60th birthday, celebrated my 60th birthday this July with my family as the guests of one of my former players, Mike Petrangelo, down at his uh, place in Seattle City, New Jersey. And, you know, it's just things like that, that, you know, uh, during this time, you know, we're all reaching out. Uh, I've reconnected with so many former teammates and classmates and then guys I coached that I'd kind of lost touch with. 
And, and it's great to see how many of them have gone on to be very successful. And that's, that's something I learned from coach Paterno. It's like people say, well, you know, what, what do you think about the team, you know, and how successful you're going to be? And, you know, I remember him saying, you know, well, don't, don't ask me now, ask me 20, 30, 40 years from now, when we see how many of them have gone on to be successful business people and doctors and lawyers, politicians, whatever me. And, and I'm very, very proud of the fact that uh, so many of our guys have gone on to be successful and happy. And, you know, Jeff Martha, one of our former players, now the CEO of Medtronic, which is arguably oh the God. largest medical device company in the world. You know, uh, it, it, it's, you know, Eric Zinzenko was the CEO of a media company in New York City. Um, we've got other guys that are uh, very successful lawyers, doctors, you know, it's just, it's great to see that. And, and most importantly, they've stayed together. They've, they've stayed in touch. And that's, that's one of those things, it's almost like being a parent when, you know, when your kids actually stay in touch with you and want to come back and be with you. Now you figure you did something right. <laughs> so we, we, we were very proud of the program that we ran here. And, and of course, now it's at a whole different level uh, because it's, you know, an NCAA Division One program and they've continued, uh, you know, they, they've just taken everything up to a whole different uh, level. And it's, and it's just kind of neat to still be able to say, well, we, we were part of that, you know, history and, you know, we, you know, they built and took what we kind of started here and, and it, 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 it's gone on to be so successful. And a lot of that has to do with the philanthropy of the, of the Pagula family. And, you know, but uh, I, every time I drive by Pagula Ice Arena, I just get a big smile on my face. And yeah, it's awesome because like when, when you're at least like something I realized just from playing like high school sports is that, like that your team is your family because you spend way more time with them than probably your, your immediate family. You wake up, you spend 14 hours a day actually awake or whatever it is, Ho hopefully more than that. But <laughs> <laughs> uh, you spend like eight hours at the school, you spend three hours at practice and then you go home and you sleep for, you go home, you talk to your parents for three, four hours and then you go to bed yeah. and you repeat that cycle day in and day out. And that's when you get to realize, like, these might be your brothers. You don't, you might not like all of them, but at the end of the day, you're still, you're still a family because you got, you got to deal with each other, good or bad, no matter what you're going through, wins, losses, you know, trenches, highs. And that's what like part of being a part of a team is all about. And as being a coach, I'm sure it's like, you're the, you're the dad of it all. And you're watching like your kids <laughs> and like, all right, so like Timmy's messing up over there. All right, well, you guys better be picking up Timmy, you better be getting him on his track because if he's not on track, everyone else is going down too. Uh, and, and I'll tell you, it, it's, it, I'd love to tell you that everything was perfect and it always went according to plan, but that that's real life doesn't work that way either. You know, I mean, you'd, you'd like to think that everybody, you know, came out, you know, perfect and, you know, there were never any issues. Well, it's, it's life. You know, when, when you, you dealt with things, I got to tell you, I, this is a great story. Um, I saw a press conference with Nick Saban, the Alabama football coach, and he was berating the media because they were all over a couple of his kids that got in some trouble and they all, you know, how come you haven't kicked them off the team? You know, you got all this pressure going on. And I said, you know what? I loved his answer because he said, well, okay, look, if that's all that we're about, 
you know, that everybody has to toe the line and be perfect and everything. Well, you know, are we really doing these kids uh, any, any justice? Because, you know, everybody has that, those moments, right. That they would like to forget about, pretend it happened and everything. And yeah. uh, I, I look back, uh, you know, several times when I know it would have been easier to just get rid of certain guys. And in the end, I think they were better off staying in the program, you know, because instead of writing them off as bad kids, you start to realize they were just, you know, good kids that made a bad decision, you know, and, and sometimes that happens. It happens in the real world. Right. So uh, I I'd like to think that one of the things that we can all learn is, you know, let's, let's just not, throw the baby out with the bathwater, uh, as the old saying goes, yeah. you know, you just, yeah, it's, you know, cause the, you know, conventional wisdom and the public pressure to, you know, the old coach has got to be that tough, you know, hard, you know, you step out of line, you're gone. Kind of like, yeah, you know, sometimes you got to step back and go, look, you know, we'll make the person, you know, pay their, their dues, you know, suspend them for a while, give them community service, whatever it might be, they might get, you know, instead of being on the first line, now they're, you know, sitting in the stands for, you know, some games and things like that. But we didn't give up on them as people. All right. And in the end, uh, the joy that I would feel, and I know that, you know, others in the program would feel when that person turned their life around, that that's worth any far greater than any championship trophies or rings or anything like that. It's knowing that you made a lasting impact on somebody's life. And, you know, I, I know it sounds a bit trite, but, you know, I really believed in, in all the people that we had, my volunteer assistant coaches and the volunteer academic support people and our booster club people, we had a shared vision for Penn State hockey. And I, I think that's the reason why so many of the guys, you know, still come back and are still involved and stay in touch because they feel like they learned more about life. It wasn't just about the hockey. The hockey was fun and we were successful. <laughs> we won six national club championships. When I coached, we won a lot of league championships. There was a stretch where we played in 10 straight national championship games. So we were obviously doing something right. Okay. But more importantly, uh, it's when when you sit back and hear those guys talk about, you know, hey, always give something back. You know, have an attitude of gratitude. You know, there's a higher calling for you than just being a hockey player that can put the puck in the net or defend or make a big save. You know, that that really it's, you know, we we all have this kind of higher calling and that's to be good people and to help other people become good people. And uh, that, you know, to me is the legacy, I hope, that will be remembered for not not just the championships that we won. I mean, I, I got some of the, you know, rings. Yeah, not, back the flat, not the flex or anything, but I got. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I'm not going to pretend that isn't nice. <laughs> Again, it's seeing those guys and how close they've remained 
when I do get the chance in the pre-COVID world to give them a hug and shake their hand and look them in the eye and tell them how proud I am of them, of the men they've become and, you know, what they've accomplished. And hopefully, you know, we, we did something to help that happen because to me, it, it, it always goes, I, I've said before, we, we, you hear the thing about, you know, there's two numbers in a dash, right? Live your dash. That's what's going to be on your tombstone. Yeah. When you were born, when you died, what was, but what did you do in between? Did you live the dash? And I've always said, if it just says on my tombstone that he cared, that will be uh, enough for me. That will mean that I lived a good life, that I cared enough to help other people, whether it was my own family, you know, my wife, my kids, my extended family, my good friends, and all these other, you know, hockey players and campers and, you know, coaches that I've come in contact with. If I can help them uh, to see that there is a greater calling in life, uh, that it's, it's life through the power of sport that, you know, that sports can teach us such great lessons and, uh, not all of them, you know, are always good (laughs) uh, because we always about sports builds character, but it also does reveal character. And, uh, you know, I, I think that as long as we're all being pragmatic and practical about it, that, that it always, uh, in the end, uh, fulfills that passion to want to be a part of something bigger than yourself and to make you better than maybe you thought you ever could be and mm-hmm. push you and give you that confidence and the courage to go on and, and, and try some things that, that maybe you wouldn't have done. Yeah, exactly. Because at the end of the day, the most rewarding thing is these kids realizing that if they're obviously that 0.1% or that 1% goes on and can play professionally and God given talent, like they work their tails off, like that's awesome. But sports does not last forever, even for them that make it that far. It's way cooler to see what these people do with what they've learned through the sport or through sports, just an example, through any activity that you did, any club, and seeing how they progressed through life as a whole because of what they've learned from that. And obviously, you keep building off your structure that you have already. The things you learn from sports, I'm sure that you taught a lot of kids or taught a lot of young adults, I should say, about things now that they probably built off of instead of just staying stagnant and in one place and just using that as that one piece of advice that they went off of for everything they did. The world doesn't work like that. If it did, we the world wouldn't be spinning. It, you can't be stagnant with with what you're doing, with your knowledge that you've attained. you got to keep learning in order to become successful, in order to become more, just a better person in general. If you want to, like, what you're saying is that um, you said, I want people to know that, like, I cared. I wish more of humanity thought that too, because that's at the end of the day, that's something that th- they can't take away from you. People right. can say that you you shouldn't have won that championship. You shouldn't have won that. You shouldn't have done this. You shouldn't have done that. But they, they can't take away about your your feelings, what emotion that you put into it. And that's something that uh, like Jimmy Valvano said in his his speech that he gave when they came out with the Jimmy V Foundation that he said I cancer can take all my physical attributes away, but they can't take my legacy and what I've done for everyone else cuz that's something that can last forever. 
more right. or less. I, well, and and we've all been inspired by other people. The you know, in my book, um, I talk about seven principles, and the fifth principle is inspiration. And it's all about having coaches and mentors in your life and uh, the importance of having them. And, and one of my mentors is a gentleman named Chuck Kensinger, who I did not meet until a couple of years ago. And I met him because of a relationship I had with his son. I helped his son uh, with some connections to get into the fundraising world here in, in at Penn State and became friends with, with his dad as a result of that. And his dad was a lifelong educator uh, and fundraiser himself, but a, an administrator. And uh, he said, look, you know, without application, there is no true learning. All right. And that's why we all come across, you know, colleagues and friends, you know, in, in high school and in college and even in business. Right. Men and women who are, you know, incredibly bright. But if they aren't able to take what they've learned and apply it and make other people's lives better, then, then they're not really, to me, living that fulfilled life. You know, that that passionate life where, you know, you you really believe, you know, you're bringing joy to other people. Right. And so I, I don't know why it is we, you know, we, you know, from K through 12 and then post-secondary and even into, you know, the if you're going to get your master's and Ph.D., whatever, we always have coaches and we always have teachers and we always have instructors in our lives. It's too often, you know, some kids, they get done with high school. That's it. I don't have to learn anything. You know, I'm just going to go out and, you know, I'm never going to school again. And that's sad. You know, you, you can never stop learning, you know, for a couple of reasons. One is, you know, things change. You know, I mean, if somebody would have told me I was going to be walking around with a, you know, computer that's got more power than the computer they had in the space shuttle, you know, back in the day, I, I, you know, we, we have to adapt. You got to improvise. You have to overcome. And, you know, I, I think too many people just get they get comfortable. They get complacent. They think, OK, well, you know, I made it through high school and I'll just get a job and I'll, you know, collect my paycheck and, you know, that's it. You know, now you'll get a, a group of people that will go into college or vocational school, that sort of thing. Again, just because you get that degree, just because you get that certification, that's not the end of your learning. It, it, it's got to be ongoing, right? And and if, if I could give people anything, you know, it, it wouldn't be something, it wouldn't be lots of money. It would, it, it would be things like an insatiable uh, curiosity, you know, wanting to learn, wanting to, to try things, give them courage to actually go out and try them, you know, give them perseverance so that they'll understand that there's going to be ups, there's going to be downs, you're going to have great victories, you're going to have some setbacks. It's okay. You keep going. You keep on keeping on. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love the merch. Plug. Go buy my merch. From it. But uh, no, I love what you're saying though. Cause you, you got to keep like, I, I'd say it every podcast, like keep on keeping on because I firmly believe that if you stay, if you stay in the same place, if you're not adapting to your surroundings, it, for just a prime example is that from high school to college is a huge transition because your entire life so far for most you're in this 
bubble. You know the same people, you've had the same families your entire life. And when you transition into college, that whole bubble pops. You have your couple friends that, you know, tag along with you to go to the college. But then you're like, you're by yourself, whole new world. If you don't have the power to adapt to that new environment, you're going to be stuck. You're going to be stuck living in high school still. And that's just one example of the adaptation that the human mind and the human um, humanity needs to experience. Because if you don't have the ability to learn how to adapt, you won't be able to move on by doing better things. It's like anything. Like when you said you started working for like the Penguins, you're working for the Sabres. I'm sure that you had to adapt to that kind of business adapt to that kind of market. Yeah, exactly. It's funny. It's like funny to look back on that and going like into that. Now you, now you run your own, you run your own company. You have your own LLC. Like that's awesome. And I'm sure that going from each step of the way, there was so much more to learn. And the only way that you could learn is have that open-minded experience to say, all right, I don't know about this. I need someone else to at least help me along the way. I, I say, I think I said it on one of my other podcasts that like, I, I'll be the first one to say I'm not artistic whatsoever. So if I, so if I need my buddy, my friend live it, like she makes my logos and like things like that. It, and you can take that into anything in life. If you are not good at something, one, learn how to do it or to ask someone humans need a connection. It's not like everyone spends the entire day in their room sitting by yourself or not talking to someone, not texting. We're in such an involved world where we can communicate with everyone in the entire on the entire planet just through a little like a little phone, and right. it's like like just a little electronic screen. And you can connect with so many people. If you have a question, don't be scared to ask because someone can answer that. There's at least at least one person else out there. You're never alone in anything that you do. Well, you know, it, it, it always, you know, Bill Gates, uh, one of the things I've learned from him is, you know, when something would happen in Microsoft, you know, the first thing he would say to his people is, all right, who do we know that may have experienced something like this already? What did they do? You know, let's let's get in touch with them. Let's see what best practices were, what you know, what worked for them, what didn't work for them, et cetera. It's reaching out, you know, checking your ego in at the door and and saying, hey, you know, I want to ask some questions. Let's save some time here. Maybe, you know, these these folks over here at Oracle that we know or, you know, another, you know, software company that, that, you know, maybe went through this kind of thing. You know, uh, and then and then apply what we know, our culture, our vision, and 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 put it all together and say, okay, now we, we've developed the best options and we've made an informed decision. Okay, that's a big part. Chapter six in my book is options. It's learning how to develop great options and make more informed choices. Right, because really, when it's all said and done, you know, people we can all talk about. Oh, we're all created equal. All right, you know that sounds really good. I'm never going to play in the NBA. All right, <laughs> I'm never going to sing uh, in an opera at the Met. Okay, <laughs> you know, in Carnegie Hall. I, that's I don't have that skill set. That's not part of my DNA. It's not part of my talent. You could give me the best singing coach in the world. 
they ain't going to fix this voice <laughs> at this stage anyway. But my I mean, the point is, there's nothing that's okay. You know, and, and not everybody gets to be the CEO. Not everybody gets to be the president. There aren't enough of those positions anyway. All right. But, you know, you, you got to start. And this is a big part of my, my, my first chapter is all about purpose. Okay. And, and, you know, I, uh, to cut to the chase and, you know, shameless plug for the book, by the way, there it is. Yo, go read it. Power, go read it. <laughs> there it is. The power of pragmatic passion, dream big, keep it real, get it done. Seven principles for personal and professional success. And, and the seven principles to help people remember them, the acronym is passion. You know, it's purpose. The P is purpose. Uh, the A is attitude. You got to have a great attitude. The first S is sacrifice because you don't get anything great accomplished without there being sacrifice. Servant leadership is the second S, and that's all about putting other people first. The I, as I mentioned before, is inspiration. The O is options. The N is nurture, and that means nurturing yourself. Never stop learning. Keep trying to build your your skill set, but also nurturing others. Always be willing to help others, you know, whether it's as a mentor, as a coach, you know, give back and, and help others to learn from your successes and your failures, because that's going to happen. Hey, I learned real quick when I went up to work for the Buffalo Sabres, you know, when I was an associate athletic director at Penn State and, and I was in charge of administration, okay, any administration, I was awful at it. it it was a square peg and the round hole you know yeah okay i got the fancy title get paid a lot of money a lot more than i was ever making etc i was miserable and i wasn't very good at it okay i tried it i i don't i will never regret having given it a shot okay but like i said before i've found that my best first best destiny i like to help other people grow I like to coach people. I want to see them achieve what they thought maybe they could never have achieved before. And, and I'm trying to help them do it in a little bit more of a systematic way. And it starts with that first one, purpose. What is it you want? What matters to you in your life? And we don't talk about that enough with people, right? We just say, oh, no, no, go, go be an accountant. Okay, go, go be a mechanic, you know, uh, whatever it might be, it doesn't, you know, I'm going to be a TV show host, whatever it, it doesn't. It's always about, well, you know, how much money am I going to make? And, you know, that sort of thing and prestige. Okay, but is that what life's all about? Isn't the idea here to stand for something, have core values that matter? And we don't spend nearly enough time running asking young people, well, what are your core values? If you have to list your top five core values right now, anybody that's going to see this show, right? I, I wonder how many of them could say, yeah, I could rip them off like that. You know, what matters to me most? All right. And then you'll hear people say, you know, the standard, what, what, boy, well, I better say what my parents want me to, you know, want to hear, you know, uh, family matters most. Well, does it? If it does, then sometimes why do you make decisions that you know are not in the best interest of the family, right? Would you actually go out and do some of the things that you end up doing if you really cared first and foremost about the family? And it's, you know, you have these values, so it helps you guide you through those developing better options and making more informed choices because you know what you stand for, right? You've, you've thought about it. 
I'm not a person who believes that you have to have a plan for everything, but you do have to plan. All right. And I know it's, you know, the old, that great philosopher, Mike Tyson, you know, said, everybody's got a plan until they get punched in the face. Right. They misinterpret what he's saying there. You still have to have a plan. It's that once you get that punch in the face, you got to say, okay, well, I better change the plan. I better adapt. It's not don't have a plan. Right. And, and, and visualize what you want out of your life. You know, you know, see yourself down the road and reverse engineer it. Come back. Say, okay. I'd like to have a family. I want to have kids. I want to have a, a great relationship with a spouse. Um, I want to be able to retire comfortably. I want to live a healthy life. And so, okay, now start coming back. So, well, what's it going to take to achieve that? All right. You start to realize, well, if I, if I want to live a healthy life, I guess maybe I shouldn't drink as much or I better eat better or I better exercise regularly. Those kinds of things. Now you can come back and set actual goals to help you achieve what it is that is going to help you live a joyful, meaningful, purposeful, passionate life. And, and to me, that's, you know, the, the thing that I'm trying to help people with pragmatic passion. Yeah. And like that, I try and do the same thing because I think that my niche for this podcast is just people in college and people my age are living in that state of limbo where nothing matters. I can do whatever (laughs) I want. I'm in college. Like it won't affect me two years down the road. But when I'm happy that some people are finding it out earlier and earlier that you should have a purpose. Like, what do you, what do you really want to do? You don't have to figure it out right away, but what you were saying about like your five core values, if things are going the way you want, if you change what your purpose is, cause I'm sure that happens to us, a bunch of people, you might change your path. People change their major like every, every other year, some people, and yeah. you go back to those five core values and say, does this next thing line up with that? I have something else that I want to do. And that's, I'd like to talk about um, something I believe in, and it's like generalism. Like you can, you can learn a lot of things. I don't like the, I wouldn't want to be a specialist. Specialists are like doctors, lawyers that, you know, they're really good at their craft and they should be really good at the craft again. They got a whole whole lot relying on it, but if you can experience more things, the more, more wise, the more things you're going to be able to figure out that you really like, and you're going to figure out the things that you don't like that you might not want to do. People can be, you know, drawn to a specific purpose, a specific job or what I want to do later and realize, come to it. Like you were saying, when you were working with the Sabres, it, it made you miserable. That dollar amount doesn't, doesn't matter because it's, it's no, I, your, it, yeah. I was, I, I wasn't a good fit. I, you know, and I don't regret it. Like I said, I, and I, I am so appreciative that I got the opportunity to do it. And uh, I, I always said, you know, I didn't ever, I never felt like I was in over my head, but I was out of my league. You know, I, I hadn't been in the, I hadn't worked in the NHL for, you know, 30 some years and, uh, you know, a, a different culture, you know, and I, I still kind of took this uh, uh, maybe a, uh, unrealistic sense of optimism into it. And, and, and you get there and you start to realize, no, you know what, this is still getting back to the grinding it out. (laughs) There's, you you know, not every day gets to be the seventh day of the Stanley cup. You know, matter of fact, like I said, most days 
it's just, you know, you're there grinding it out and doing the things you got to do. And, you know, I, I, I'd like to be able to help other people to try to live, uh, you know, a, a better life by, by helping them to think more uh, about, you know, the critical thinking and uh, the, you know, what, what is the ultimate goal? What are your expectations? Are they pragmatic, realistic? You know, because you just hear from too many people, uh, you know, I just wish I could find my passion. And it's like, see, I'm, I'm a big uh, uh, follower of Scott Galloway. He's a professor at New York University's uh, Stern School of Business. And if you ever get a chance, go onto YouTube and and uh, he has a, a program. It's, it's a bit lengthy. It's over an hour long, but it's worth every minute because he talks about the algebra of happiness. Okay. And it's not as pedantic as that sounds like it gets in the weeds and all that. It's really, you know, more of a phys- philosophical, you know, 50,000 foot view about well, what really matters, what matters to you. And, you know, it's not about finding your passion necessarily. It's about creating it. It's about bringing passion. We all have passion. We all get excited about something. Okay. And I, I'll work with some high school kids and I'll say, Hey, well, what are you interested in? Nothing. Well, okay. Well, what do you do with your time? Mm-hmm. You know, no, no, no. Seriously. Get, walk me through your day. All right. Oh, you know, I get up and usually get together with my buddies and, you know, we play some video games. Okay. There you go. You said you weren't interested in anything. Now we found some. You're interested in video games. Well, what do you learn from playing those video games? You learn teamwork, right? You learn communication skills. You learn scenario planning, situational awareness. So here you are, you're playing those games and everybody's telling you, quit playing those games. You're not, you know, you're wasting your time. Trust me, I have a I have a son, 26 years old. We used to say that same stuff to him. And what we didn't realize was he was learning all these skills and, and techniques and tactics and strategies from playing those games. And now he makes his living as a software developer for a tech startup company out in uh, California. You know, and and that would never happen if we'd have just made him sit in front of, you know, just doing the same old, same old conventional wisdom. We allowed him to pursue something he enjoyed. And then he put the time in to get really good at it. Right. And so he was able to combine something he was good at with something he enjoyed doing. Oh, by the way, somebody was willing to pay him to do it. And that's the missing piece with a lot of people. Well, what are you passionate about? Well, I really want to help people. So what do they do? They go get a sociology degree. Okay. Here's the problem with that. You know, if you go into sociology, you're not likely to make a lot of money. And it's not like you're going to be spending your time in a lot of cases. If you're a counselor, you're going to be spending your time with kids that need help, you know, kids with special needs and and, and people with challenges. It's not always going to be roses and sunshine, you know, it's tough. It's hard. Well, don't spend all this time and money getting that degree and then saying, geez, I didn't realize I wasn't going to get paid much to do this. And geez, I didn't realize I was going to be getting in a car and driving to a facility where I was going to be working with juvenile delinquents or people just coming out of being incarcerated. And, and then, what did you think was going to happen if you went into that? 
you know? So you have to think these things through and get to know and do the, the research, do the digging, so you have a better idea of what, okay, this is my vocation. I'm going to get paid to do this. This is my avocation over here. And I say to people all the time, you know, you want to help people. All right, well, you know what? We, we know you're really good. You're mechanically inclined. You know, instead of going to college, you know, right now, maybe what you should be doing is going to a trade school, learning, you know, to be a welder, a plumber, electrician, whatever. And, you know, the money that you're going to make, well, that's going to allow you to fulfill your passion of being able to go volunteer and help people. Right? Yeah. We 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 found a win-win here. Yeah. Something I'm good at, something I can get paid to do. Oh, I can do this. Now, if we can get that vocation and avocation to be one and the same, oh boy, you know, you've now you've made it, right? That's not easy, Ronan. It's 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 just not. Okay? Oh, it's not. And I gotta tell you, I know lots of my friends, you know, oh, I wanna, you know, I really I wanna be a sports center, you know, uh, host. I wanna, you know, I wanna be an NFL or NBA, you know, broadcaster. That's the thing. Okay, well, you know, a lot of people wanna do that, and only a very small group ever get to that level. So if you think you're gonna be one of them, hey, you had better outwork everybody, you better out prepare everybody, you better be willing to get in the trenches and 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 you know earn your uh, dues and and go you know find out who you need to network with, what conferences you need to go to, etc. There's a way to make some of this happen, but there's also a point at which you realize, guess what? I'm not good enough to play in the NHL. I'm not good enough to get a division one hockey scholarship time to pivot. Okay. doesn't mean I'm a failure. Not at all. Hey, I, you know, all those lessons I learned playing hockey, being a part of a team, being the president of the hockey club, they, all those things have transferable skills that you learn. I, same thing. I I'll say this and then I'll get off of it. But the, <laughs> the bottom line is if you want to be any of those celebrity uh, types of vocations, musician, artist, uh, actor, actress, uh, writer, um, professional athlete, you know, those kinds of professions, what you have to understand is, you know, you can be a good accountant and make a good living. You can be a good doctor and make a good living. You can be a good engineer, make a good living. You cannot be a good artist and actually make a livable wage at it. You've got to be really good. You've got to be elite to sing at Carnegie Hall, to play football on Sundays in an NFL stadium, right? Or basketball in an NBA court or hockey in an NHL arena. You, you have to be world class, all right? So you have to keep all that. That's where I tried to, where I came up with pragmatic passion. It's that you've got to have this realism, Right. You've got to be able to look yourself in the mirror and say, OK, do I really have the talent to be able to be a rock star someday? OK, yeah, I might want to live the lifestyle. I tell people all the time, you know what? Right now I'm 60 years old. I'm really passionate about golf. I'm really passionate about reading a book by a beach in the afternoon. And I'm really passionate about having my drink at the tiki bar at happy hours. I have yet to find somebody willing to pay me to do that. Okay. So yeah, I keep working. <laughs> right? So yeah, exactly. 
you know, I, I just, I'm, that's why I married pragmatic with passion. You have to have both because passion alone isn't going to get you there. You still have to have a plan. You still got to execute that plan. You need to work with other people. You got to learn how to partner with other people. And that's how your dreams ultimately will come true. Yeah, they become a reality. And the people, uh, something that like is really prevalent today is that you see all these big time actors and everything. You have social media in the palm of your hand. You see these people, you connect with so many more people than ever before. And here's where it gets bad. What you are seeing is the end product. You don't see how many hours that they truly put in unless you look below the surface, something I, I try and talk about on every podcast because people nowadays just see what their eyes tell them. They don't realize how many hours that people put in, how long it took. I, I Gary Vaynerchuk's one of my favorite entrepreneurs and literally, <laughs> I, like everyone else. I, I follow awesome. Gary V. <laughs> and, and something that like he talks about is, is the grind. And, he'll, and he's actually one of the first people that said like, this is actually how hard I worked. And it's amazing, at least to me, to see how, like what it actually took to be that successful. And people don't appreciate that. They appreciate the end product. And that's okay. But if you want to get into something along those lines, if you want to be an entrepreneur, if you want to, you know, be a celebrity, you have to work way harder than everyone else. One of my, um, someone that I interviewed on a podcast a couple, uh, a couple weeks ago was my buddy, Justin Jaworski. And in high school, you know, he had two division one offers. He took one and he goes, well, I'm going to spend every day, you know, working my tail off and becoming a better athlete. And that's what he did. He has a chance to play in the league now. And you know what the funny part is everyone's posting, you know, their workout videos or anything on Instagram. They see, you know, I'm, I'm dribbling basketball through these cones. No one cares. Absolutely. No one cares how hard you work. They want to see the end product. And that's for most people, that's enough. Just seeing the end product. I like seeing the whole, the grind through it, but at the end of the day, no one cares how much hard work you put in. They want to see what your content is, how hard you work, because that's what shows. That's what's on TV. That's what's on your phone. That's about everything else. And a question that I want to ask you is about, I remember when you were giving our speech to our, uh, when I, Mr. Batista came on to uh, speak to our management class last year at Penn State before the whole COVID thing. And you brought up the point about your phone. Could you just, you know, everyone having their phone, could you just like elaborate a little bit more about that? Because I, rem- I remember the conversation and I loved it. And I talk about it ever since, like put down, yeah, I, I, you know, and, it, and, it, and, I, and I will tell you that, you know, the, that was pre-COVID, right? And yeah. now it's kind of like, all right, the technology, we all need to take a break from technology, right? Because we have become so dependent on the phone that like you said, well, they're called cell phones because we're prisoners to them. Right. And, and, and when, when you're so busy, you know, on there, you know, just, you know, all you're doing is scrolling through TikTok and, you know, looking at stuff on Twitter and Facebook and uh, although Facebook's that that's not cool for you young people, right. The, the, I mean, the bottom line is that we can spend hours and hours and hours living vicariously through other people instead of doing the stuff that we need to do in order to make our own dreams come true. Right. And we spend the, the, the average person spends 150 hours a week, right, on social media. 
on their Crazy. phones. Okay. I mean, these, these things, again, they're great. They're great tools. And I'm bad at that. My kids get on my case about it. Now, what they will never give me enough credit for is that most of the time when I'm on my phone, I am watching a YouTube video, not on somebody that, that did a bunch of trick shots with a basketball or with a hockey puck. Okay. I'm watching um, Minority Mindset, which is a uh, uh, Jaspreet Singh does this show about money and he tries to teach people about a different mindset for money. I, I watch the money guys. OK, I watch Gary Vaynerchuk, Warren Buffett. The, the, I try to educate myself. I'm reading articles. I'm following the stock market, you know, those sort of But even that. You know what? You, you can go a little too far. Right. And it controls you. Instead of you controlling it, you have to make a conscious decision. One of the things I, I think I shared with you, you know, don't plug the phone in right next to you, right? At night, yeah. plug it in where, you know, if you wake up in the middle of the night, the first thing you're not going to do is grab the phone and start looking at social media. And then you're up, your mind's kicking in and everything. And you're not getting the rest that you need, right? Those deep, that deep REM sleep that you need. Okay. And, Put it someplace else. Use an old-fashioned alarm clock to wake up and, you know, uh, get you going in the morning. Don't start by just looking and going, okay, I'm going to check all the Twitter. I'm going to check all the, you know, Snapchat and TikTok and all this stuff. You know, if you do that, who is controlling the start of your day? Some random person posting a bunch of stuff that may or may not have anything to do with you. Probably not. Okay. Instead of waking up intentionally and saying, okay, I'm going to wake up to inspirational music that's going to kind of get me in the right frame of mind. You know, I like to listen to instrumental music that I refer to as relaxed, but energized, you know, kind of helps you get going in the morning, get your, you know, thinking all right. And then go and be intentional. Try to get some of the most important things done right away. Okay. And, and that way you say, okay, 10 o'clock in the morning, I'll go check my Twitter or I'll go check my, you know, and set aside some time when you can actually do it. Because if not, you really do become a prisoner to your phone, to your technology. And I do think that we need a detox, a digital detox. I say that at the beginning of my book. There's two things you need to do if you're going to get the most out of my book. One, you got to pick an accountability partner. You got to pick somebody that's going to help you. Hey, what chapter are you on today? Did you do the exercise? Because in my book, this isn't a passive book. You're you're in, you're going to act on things in here. There's a, in every chapter. There's exercises. There's questions at the end of the book that you've got to ask, and they are not these easy questions. They are questions that are going to make you think about what really matters to you. You know how are you going to get it done? What are the things you're willing to give up in the third chapter? Sacrifice. So, okay, what are things you're willing to stop doing? Do differently or the good things that you're willing to do more of to make your life more successful. Right. And you've got to sit down and you got, and then you got to get together with your accountability partner and say, all right, help me actually do this. The second thing is you have to do a digital detox. So if you're going to sit down and you're going to read my book you get your pen and your paper and your highlighter out, and you give me an hour to be reading the book, getting to know these the seven principles and doing the exercises. And then after you've done that for an hour, give yourself a reward and you can go play video games for 15 minutes, half hour, maybe after you've already done the work. Yeah. Right? So again, 
we have te- we need the technology, especially right now, right? Thank goodness that we have Zoom and some of the other you know uh, tools that we've got out there. You know, by the way, this is a business thing. What the heck happened to Skype? Right? They were in a position to dominate Take this over. market. They just let Zoom come in and boom, gave them a Gordy Howe and knocked them right out of the picture. I'm sorry. It just, are you kidding me? You know, um, uh, I, I, you know, kudos to Zoom and, and, you know, some of the other ones, Microsoft Teams and, you know, Google Hangout and those sort of things. But Skype, Skype's pretty much disappeared and they were the leader. They had it. I, I, I just, that's, that's one of those case studies for everybody just sit back and make you scratch your head like how did they miss the boat here and 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 weren't ready for this right so yes this technology is keeping us going it is a tool that's all you gotta remember it is a tool it will never ever replace human interaction that need for us to get together look each other in the eye see facial expressions and tone and things like that uh i think there's a bit of zoom fatigue right now no doubt that, that we're all kind of technology, you know, addicted. You you just need to have the discipline, that self-discipline to control it so it won't control you. Hope I, I answered love- your question. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love it because the, the, um, the thing that my mom always told me was use your tools, don't be one. Yes. Use your tools, don't be one. Because <laughs> if you get caught in all this social media it's using you you're part of the number now you're part of all right you're liking that picture you're like oh we're throwing you in the algorithm we're going to put you more we're going to put more content towards you to have you trapped in i remember seeing a tiktok ad and it said get lost into tiktok and i'm sitting there like oh my god like first of all great marketing great marketing play because they don't want you to leave they're going to keep putting content at you that keeps relating to your last, whatever your last video is, your last like, the thing you last commented on. And this is where I'm going at, at it with this. If you use social media as a tool, I don't know when this podcast is coming out, but I have like another podcast series called Quick Shots coming out. It's going to be awesome. I don't know when it's going to be. But anyway, <laughs> quick plug for that. But um, I talk about Instagram and people using it as a tool rather than just a place to have fun. Because when you use tools like that, technology, great. You know why? Because social media, free, free advertising for whatever you want to do. And you can get monetized off of it. It's insane. And people don't realize that these guys and girls that have thousands of followers who just post whatever they want, don't realize that they can actually be making money off of that. And the reason they do that is I'm going back to, again, they don't look below the surface. They keep getting trapped in this existential continuation of the same thing over and over again. And that is what is crazy, right? It's easy. You're not having to put yourself out there and maybe get criticized a little bit. You know, to me, it always comes back to you have to have courage. You know, when I, when I'm asked, to define leadership, right? And we've studied leadership to death as a, you know, humanity, right? Over thousands and thousands of years. And when somebody asks me, what, what, what's the most important quality of leadership? And you know, there, there's a lot of them, empathy and, you know, just, you know, being e- ego free and those things. To me, 
the sep- the thing that separates the great leaders from the average and not so great leaders is courage. You know, they'll talk a big game. They'll come up with a great plan. They'll have a great vision, a dream. They'll, they'll get everything done, but they, they don't have the courage to execute. They don't have the courage to go out and say, okay, this isn't going to be popular, but it's the right thing to do. Okay. For the masses, for everybody. And, and maybe for yourself. And so people are afraid, Oh, geez, if I put this out there, they may pick on me. They're going to be critical of me. And that, you know, the, the social media to me, this is the time of critics without credentials, right? You get these people that sit back and all they want to do, they're going to make fun of you every chance they get. Right. What I've learned is, you know what, be someplace and hang out someplace, whether it's social media or in real life, it's uh, go where you're celebrated, not where you're tolerated. All right. Remember that go where you're celebrated, not tolerated. All right. You want to surround yourself with people that are going to challenge you to be better, that if something goes wrong, they're not going to be beating you down about it. They're going to be picking you up and saying, okay, you didn't lose. You learned. All right. And, and that's the thing. If you don't try something, you know, you can't win the game if you're sitting on the bench or up in the stands, right? You got to be in the game, which means you got to be willing to lose. You got to be willing to fail, right? And so what? You know, we've all heard the examples of Thomas Edison with the light bulb and Abraham Lincoln and how many times he lost before he finally won, right? You don't, you know, people, they, they, they only see the parts that work, right? Like you were saying before, they only want to see what's here. They don't want to know that, geez, you know, there were a bunch of other people that tried that and never got there. Well, you know, what can we learn from them? What, why didn't their product work? Why didn't their campaign come to fruition? You know, why? It, it, it always goes back to, we can learn some things, and then we have to apply them to our own circumstances and our own situation because we are all unique after all, right? Be, be an original. Don't be a copy, right? You want to learn. I'm going to copy what the champion. I say it all the time. You want to be a champion, learn what the champs do. Up on my bookshelf that I'm looking at right there, I've got books, you know, the Patriot way, the Packer way, you know, behind the steel curtain, you know, Mike Krzyzewski's book, leading with the heart. You know, I, I wanted, when I coached, I wanted to try to learn from champions, right? Now that doesn't mean I agreed with everything they said or that I was even capable of doing that. I still had to be me, right? And that's what I, I would encourage everybody that, that you come in touch with and your listeners is that, you know, you live your own life. Okay. It's not your parents. It's not your teachers. It's not your coach, right? It's not some YouTube star. All right. It's yours. Take charge of your life. All right. But that starts, Ronan, going back to the very beginning. What matters? What matters to you? Not your mom and dad, you know, not your cousins, you know, your friends. What matters to you? What's going to ultimately give you that feeling of fulfillment? of success, of joy, of purpose, and of passion that that will you'll be able to look back and go, you know what? I lived this life and and this legacy that I'm going to leave behind is that I was a good spouse, I was a good parent, I was philanthropic, I gave to different 
causes that I believed in. Uh, I kept myself healthy. Uh, when I did run into some setbacks, I realized they were only temporary and I did what I had to do to get over them. And oh, by the way, I had this one real passion in my life. In my case, it was getting a new ice arena built at Penn State and having the programs go division one. And it came true. It took 35 years. It didn't happen overnight. Okay. And, and, you know, people need to understand that there were lots of hurdles along the way, lots of naysayers, et cetera. You know, know, it may never have come true. It did. Okay. Why? Because when the opportunity presented itself, we were prepared. All right. We'd been through the scenarios. We checked out all the different situations. You know, we were ready when 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 that perfect timing of the Pagula's loyalty to Penn State and their their love of hockey, their passion for hockey came together with our plan to make hockey varsity. It was beautiful when it all came together. It was beautiful. Right. But also you realize, okay, that dream came true. What's the next one? Let's go on to the next one, right? I know I don't know that I'd ever written a book if things wouldn't have worked out the way they did for me in Buffalo, right? I I, I probably wouldn't have. Now I'm working on a second book, right? I hope I write a third and a fourth. I enjoy it. I'm enjoying this. I'm enjoying being able to help young people. And you know, was it going to make you rich? I don't care if it makes me rich. I'm going to be wealthy as a person knowing that I'm helping young people and their parents to navigate these waters a little easier and and to develop better options and make more informed choices. Today, people think of, I talked about this with my cousin, Alan, instant gratification. They want everything right away. Like you were saying, the overnight sensations, sure, it happens to 1%. It does not happen. Less than 1%. Less than 1%. (laughs) Call it like dude. Perfect. It was a perfect example. I posted one video and boom, they blew up. It was amazing. But then everyone else started doing trick shot videos and then I led one thing led to another. But anyway, they, it was, it was luck. It was very lucky that that happened. Most people need more. It's not just all about luck. It's if you put in time, one quote that I saw from, I think it was I think it was Thomas Jefferson, but he said, "The more hard work that I put in, the more luck that I felt like I was having." Yeah, the harder I work, the luckier I get. Yeah, is that yeah? That's, that's totally what it is. Yeah, and it, it's insane because it's like it's like the universe works in some weird way where it all just it, like you were saying it randomly like came together that you were able to build this ice arena and it took so long and it was it just all worked itself out at the end, but that took. So much time, so much hard work, and now everyone nowadays wants instant gratification that I'm going to be rich, get rich quick. I think these drop shipping programs and you know affiliate marketing are great, but the thing is, you're not going to get rich like all these people tell you in one year. It might take you 10. It might take you 15. It may, might take you 20, but if you are truly passionate about what you're doing, it will not matter if you are rich or not, because at the end of the day, you like what you are doing. Yeah. That's way more important. Well, that is way more important than anything else. Be passionate about the process. 
Okay. Again, exactly. If, if you know, you think about this, you know, somebody makes hangers, right? Like how exciting is that? Not really. Right. Well, somebody's made a lot of money making hangers, right? <laughs> we all need them. We all need them. Boring. You think that person cares? That came up with the process, has the contracts to do that. My old coach, my old coach, um, who was a volunteer, John Sheldon, learned so much from him. What a great man, great family. Um, You know, John and his brother got into the auto glass business. They had no idea. He was an accountant. He was a financial guy, right? How he ended up in it. He's done so well for himself, right? Is it exciting? No, I'll tell you this. He made, he took his passion for being an entrepreneur, his passion for knowing the numbers, used that to create this business that has made him successful, has provided for his family, and allows him to go out and do the things he's passionate about, okay? And that, that's the lesson from all this is that, you know, there's nothing wrong with, you know, maybe starting off, you're working for you know, a financial firm or an accounting firm or an engineering firm, et cetera. And now you establish yourself, you you, you pay your dues, you you learn some things about your industry, et cetera. But then you start this kind of side hustle over here. Maybe it's, you know, buying rental properties. Maybe it's writing books. Maybe it's doing podcasts. (laughs) Maybe it's creating a YouTube channel. You know, there's nothing that... To start off and just be doing, you know, well, I'm going to make my living being a YouTuber. That's not easy to do. Okay. You 100%. can make money, right? You can, yeah. there's no doubt, but can you make a living wage doing it? Right. And remember, things may take off. It's very hard to maintain it. All right. And you can be a flash in a pan. Right. So I, I think what you can do, have a plan right? Be pragmatic. You still got to put food on the table. You still got to put a roof over your head. You know, uh, let's hope that, you know, we're not all going to end up living in, you know, our, our parents' basement, you know, at the, when we're 40 years old kind of thing, right? That, 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 that means either you really didn't plan properly or, you know, I was, you know, was it a bad plan or was it a good plan that was poorly executed, you know, did you account for some things that, you know, just you didn't get lucky? It wasn't, you know, it was just bad timing. You know, how about these poor people that, you know, in, in January and February, they they're realized their lifelong dream of opening up their own restaurant and then COVID hit. All right. Well, you know, so there's certain things you don't have control over, right? It, it'll happen. Uh, you got to use, you got to try to count your blessings and use the lessons that you've learned from this you may have to pivot, right? It, 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 and, you know, stuff like that happens. You can play the victim or you can be a victor and say, okay, learned a lesson from that, right? I better have more than one stream of income, right? I tell young people the, the, in the nurture chapter in my book, there's my top 10 things that you ought to do about learning about money, right? And one of them is you had better save for the rainy day. You had better have an emergency fund because, you know, who knew? I got off to my best start ever, Ronan, this year. January and February kicked butt, okay? I was bringing it in. You know, it's my fourth year doing this. It's really starting to pay off. First 
Two weeks of March, again, killing it. The last two weeks of March, I was going to go to a whole different level. Big speech out in Denver, another one in Seattle, Minneapolis, going to Philadelphia twice. COVID hits, gone, gone, all right? Well, what are you going to do? Well, I guess what? I had to learn to do things virtually. I've got myself one of these fancy microphones now, and I've got my lighting, and you know, my son's helping me out to try to build a studio here so we can start doing our own YouTube videos. I, I've had to learn. I've had to pivot. Okay, and you know, thankfully, my wife and I had saved enough money to help get us through these challenging times. We're way better off than a lot of other people, people that probably make a lot more money than we ever did. But it was because we had a plan, right? We had a process. You know, we knew to save money, you know, get that emergency fund started, you know, put the money away for our retirement, you know, pay down our house, you know, have the kids college fund, you know, you know, my son, Ryan, yeah. and, you know, and, you know, uh, even, even though things are tough economically right now, he, he's good shape. We've got his money set aside for him. We put it away 20 years ago to, we invested so that he, we'd be able to pay for his college. All right. And hopefully someday all our kids will appreciate that we made the sacrifices <laughs> that we did. But the, you know, the bottom line is we did what we thought because we had a plan and we stuck to that plan. And, and now while times are tough, we're persevering, we're grinding it out right now. Okay. That's real life. Sometimes it punches you right in the face. It kicks sand all over you. You know, sometimes you just got to brush it off, get up, say in the mirror, it's me and you against the world. When do we attack? All right. That's the attitude you have to have. And that, that's the, you know, the other thing when you get up in the morning, I hope you don't look in the mirror and go, Hey, what can we do to be average today? Okay. I hope you're looking in that mirror and saying, let's go kick butt. All right. Come on. Let's, let's, let's go. Me and you, we're going out there and we're going to do it and talk, talk about it, positive self-talk, but you got to execute. You got to go get it done. There you go. Right there. See, dream big, keep it real, but get it done. All right. Be pragmatic about your passion. Go out there and live a great life. Oh, exactly. People think that everything's in a straight line. It's not how the world works. It, like with COVID, it, it was the insane bump that no one was prepared for but when things go wrong there are things that can go right absolutely covid could was a blessing in disguise for a, a lot of people at the end of the day if if covid never hit i would have never started this podcast straight up i would have never even thought of the idea of doing this and having people come on a concept of wisdom like what like what the heck is that but with that being said, you have to take the punches and sometimes one's a real big punch, but it's okay because you can still get up from that. It's not knocking you out. Once you get knocked out, that means you're down. You're down for the count. You're out of it. You're never out of it until, until you say to yourself in the mirror, I'm done. And I hope that no one ever gets to that, that point where if you have a, if you have this aspiration that's so big that you know, it's out of this world. I'm going to save, I'm going to save the world. I'm going to stop world hunger. Well, great. But that doesn't happen in a day. You're going to probably, it's probably going to be going really great for a while and then fall off the face of the planet. 
because that's just that's just what happens and people don't get people do not get that it's okay like little things happen mistakes happen you know bumps in the road happen but the point going forward is that you need to keep you need to keep on keeping on there is no other way that you are going to be successful if you want to achieve everything that you want to achieve if you stop in the path take the punches get up keep going it's okay. It happens. It literally happens to every single human being on the planet. You are never alone in what you are doing. I, the thing that I like to do is put things in perspective and putting things in a very wide view of perspective, like of perspective, because here's the thing. I wake up every morning and I breathe and I, I tell, I tell my friends and they think I'm crazy. But the thing is, I'm lucky to do that straight up, I'm lucky to wake up every morning and take a big, deep breath. If you did that today, you're alive. Congratulations. You made it. <laughs> yep. Like I, and that's something that like, it's so little and it seems so ridiculous. It seems so cliche, but not like, it, it's not like you have a blessing to do that. If you thought about that every morning that man, I am grateful that I breathe when you have a bad day, you'll still wake up the next morning and be I breathe today. And like that, like it's like putting things in perspective will make some of the bad times way easier and the good times way better. Well, that's, if you think about it again, these are some of the life lessons that sports teach us being a part of the school band, right? Being a part of a school musical, right? These extracurricular activities that you got involved in when you were high school or while you're in college. And that's a message, you know, I cannot emphasize this enough while you're in college get involved okay you 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 know you've got to go out i don't care what it is there's thousand clubs at penn state for instance that students there can get involved in get involved not in five or six of them pick one or two you know one that's maybe a personal interest to you another one that's going to help you with your professional goals okay hopefully they could be both all right but you got to get involved. It's meeting other people. It's that network that you're starting to create. It's putting yourself out there and pushing past certain, you know, barriers that you never thought you'd be able to do, right? Whether it's, you know, just being able to speak in public, et cetera. Uh, you know, I love your passion, by the way. You're, you're so energetic and passionate about what you're doing, right? It, you can tell it's genuine. It is not phony, and that matters too, because people got to trust you, right? They got to believe in you. They got to believe that you have their best interest at heart. You know, there's too many things on social media that drive me crazy where it's just another shtick that they're trying to sell you something. And, you know, I, I can't, I, I don't do well with those sorts of things myself. You know, I, to me, I'm not going to make false promises to anyone. You want to buy my book. You want to have me as your coach. We're gonna we're gonna have some knockdown drag out discussions, all right? We're we're gonna I'm gonna push so that people really you, know, you don't get to say well I think this no you got to pick what are those five values that matter to you what is it that you want out of life okay what is your personal vision statement that you're gonna look at every day and try to live it. Right. Uh, it's not just something we're going to whip out and, you know, some trite, you know, uh, saying that sort of thing. No, I believe in that. I'm a coach. Right. I got lots of sayings, you know, that's right. Yeah. However, 
you got to come up with your own personal vision statement. Companies have them, right? Businesses have them. Why don't you have your own? Everybody should have their own vision statement for the life, that great life that they see themselves wanting to live and then get the goals, get them in writing, put them someplace where you can see them every day. I tape mine to the mirror in my bathroom. I can't hide from them. They're there. I see them. Uh, you know, I'm my own best uh, accountability partner, right? The person staring back at me in the mirror, right? So I, I, I wish you nothing but the, the best of luck with what you're doing. Um, again, you, you bring a vibrancy and, and just a, a level of energy that is infectious. Um, and I hope you never lose that. I hope that you, you keep doing this because what you're doing meets some of those criteria I already talked about. You are being a servant leader doing what you're doing because the purpose of this is to help other people win. You help enough other people win, you win. That's a Zig Ziglar quote from back in the day. He was he was the Gary Vaynerchuk of his era. Okay, so you can learn stuff from so many people, uh, but ultimately you got to act. You got to get it done. And uh, I hope that's the lesson that people will take away from this. Develop great options, make informed choices, and then go out and make it happen. Do the best you can. I'm here doing the best that I can. I've messed up along the way. My first podcast, I'll be I'll be the first to admit it that it was crap, but you learn along the way and it gets better. Everything will get better if you work on it. It's not gonna happen just miraculously that you're gonna be a great host, great, you know, talker. You gotta work you gotta work on any anything that you do. And uh, the point that I love that you make is you, you write down your goals. I write down all my goals too. But the one thing that I don't, the one word that I don't use is hope because I believe that that's just, it's not real. If you hope something's going to happen, you're not, you're not trying at all. If you say will, you're going to try and make it happen. Will is way power than, will is way more powerful than the word hope. And I I hope that leaves a lasting impression on, on some of you guys out there. Stop hoping and start doing, make your willpower way bigger than yourself, it's way bigger than you. You can you have you can do it. I I just I just want more people to just do it instead. Like it, it like it hurts like on the inside when all my friends talk about I want to make a million dollars. Like I want to do this and like I want to do that. Well, I don't care about how you're. I don't care that you want to be a millionaire. How are you going to start? Like that that's something that people can't do. And, and Mr. Patissa, this is this is an awesome podcast. I just hope everyone everyone out there is like is everyone like I'm I'm oh, I've enjoyed I've enjoyed this. And you know, I, I again you're you, you it gets back to you know passion and persistence matter. You gotta persevere, especially during uh, a time like COVID. You know, who knows what next challenge we'll all have to face together like this, you know, but uh, there'll be one. We know it. Something will will come down the pike. So you gotta keep on keeping on. I love what you're doing here, Ronan. And and you know, I just I hope you'll stick with it yourself and uh, you know, keep growing your audience. You know, you just it, Rome wasn't built in the day. Right. Just keep going. Keep plugging away. Keep grinding. You know, and uh, that's what getting back to a point you made earlier. Tiger Woods, unbelievable talent. Right. Unbelievable. Yeah. But you, you listen to him in his interviews and he talks about grinding it out. 
you know, practice, you know, where'd you go after? I went back to the range. Why? I needed to work on, you know, some shot, you know, some club, my putting, my chipping, whatever it was, hours and hours and hours of practice, right? And, and fixing, not just, you know, practicing what you were doing. You know, it's okay. I, you know, situational awareness, scenario planning, skills, tactics, strategies. That's what makes Tiger Woods the you know awesome golfer that he is don't particularly care for some of the mistakes he's made in his life but you know what i give the guy credit he persevered he came back from the abyss right i mean his life was just nothing for a while there everything and he could have done the woe is me thing he didn't right and and so you got to give him credit whether you like you know what 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 some of the mistakes he made or not it doesn't matter uh the guy came back all right. And, and we, there, there are men and women out there that we all should use as role models because, you know, some of them have taken those punches, you know, they, they were at the top, they fell off the radar and now they're back again. They, they, they rebranded, they, they re set themselves. They, they came up with a better version of themselves having lived through some of those obstacles and hurdles that, that, that life threw at them. And, that's to me one of the reasons why you know if everybody was the same wouldn't life be boring right oh yeah so i wish you all the best of luck and you know you know again to for all your listeners out there and i hope you know 10 years from now somebody will look back at this and say hey remember that great show that ronan and coach batista did (laughs) so Mr. Batista, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Um, again, I hope, I hope the listeners out there learned one thing, just one. I'm not asking for a whole lot. Just one thing really analyzed what you know, this conversation was, what Mr. Batista, the wisdom that he just threw out there. It's in the air. You know, it, it's free. It's free knowledge. You guys, all you have to do is listen. It's amazing. Um, but before I turn off the mics, we go on with our night. Mr. Batista, is there anything that you want to plug? Well, if, if anybody is interested, again, the book um, – the best way to get it is actually to go to my website, which is just pragmaticpassion.com. And the book originally was $24.95. On my website, it's $19.95. And if you put in passion and the number five at checkout, it'll give you an additional $5 off. So I look at it and say, well, you know what, for $14.95 plus shipping, you can change your life or somebody else's life, right? And if you order it on my website, I personalize it. I'll sign it to whoever it is with any kind of a encouraging message. If somebody's interested in, in uh, having me uh, possibly as a coach uh, for them, uh, uh, go to my website again. You'll find out the information there. Uh, you can email me at joe at pragmaticpassion.com or give me a call at 716-261-8059. Any of those things, uh, because again, I, I promise you that, that one thing that I'm going to do is I'm going to give you the proper attention. I'm going to give you uh, all of me and uh, I'm going to challenge you to be the best you can and to take charge of your life. And so if you're looking for somebody to coach you, push you, hold you accountable, I could be your guy. Well, thank you for the opportunity to do that, Ronan. Appreciate it. Of course, sir. Go check out the book. Go, go at least look at the website. Go see if you're interested. Take a chance. Take a minute out of your day and go check it out. You might like it, And it could change your life. Exactly. Exactly what you said. I'm hyped up. Oh, my God. 
It's 730 <laughs> and I'm, I'm just livid right now. But um, guys, that's a wrap for another episode of the Ronan Bell Show. Make sure you drop that follow on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. If you're on YouTube, hey, hit that subscribe button, hit that bell so you get notified whenever a new podcast comes out. Guys, I have merch available at theronanbellshow.com. If you guys are interested, let me know. By the time this program comes or this episode comes out, I have an ambassador program out. Plenty of them have codes, so you guys can get a little bit, little bit, out, little bit off some merch. Um, if you guys could help me out, that'd be great. All the money that goes from my merch goes straight back into the podcast, so I can make this better. I can get new guests. I can produce more content for you guys to learn more about wisdom. But guys, that is it from me. I've been talking a lot. Mr. Batista has been talking a lot. It's been a great episode, guys. I hope you all have a great rest of your day, and as always, y'all just keep on keeping on.